Welcome to Nerdy Nostalgia Presents. From the comfort of Altardis, I, Carbo Colin, and my companions Paul Sherman and Chris Judge explore the multiverse of comics, sci-fi, movies, toys, TV, cosplay, art, and all our nerdy fandom and hobbies. Cool, blimey, chaps. Chaps? Hello? Hello, chaps? Oh, no. It's just me. It's just Paul stuck in the TARDIS on his own. Oh, I know what's happened. Our leader, Cardboard Colin, he's been kidnapped by this outlandish race of aliens called the Showgirls. They've taken him to the planet Vegas, and he's there to meet their leader, Selene Dion, which is quite bizarre. And poor old Chris... Chris has been held to ransom by an alien race known as the Mechanics. And he was after some parts for the TARDIS because it failed its MOT. And they are trying to extort a huge amount of money out of him. So it's just me sat on my own in the TARDIS. So hello, it is Paul. And that was my seamlessly fantastic monologue there. Just to let you know, for this little episode, I'm on my own in the TARDIS. Our leader, Carbo Colin, he's in Las Vegas. And he's there to attend a Star Trek convention. And he's there to attend the Star Trek convention of all Star Trek conventions. So very excited for him. Very excited for him. And of course, you can expect from him an episode later on when he returns, feeding back and telling us all about his trip into the final frontier. See what I've done there? And Chris, my good friend Chris and co-companion Chris, He's off getting his car MOT'd, so he's trying to haggle with his mechanics and keep the costs to less than a million pounds. So that's it. You're stuck with me, people. Sorry about that. Now, I thought, while I'm here in the TARDIS, on my own, I've got a full tub of custard creams and I've got a nice cup of tea. So I thought I'd have a little chat and have a little feedback about some of the things out there in nerd world at the moment. You know that nerdy nostalgia that's going on. There's a few things buzzing around that I'm quite excited by. And I thought I'd just share with you. And of course, try and get the conversation going with you guys, letting us know what you think about these as well. So the first thing I want to talk about is Sandman. So Neil Gaiman's, uh, the adaptation of Neil Gaiman's comic book Sandman is out on Netflix now. All episodes are out there. This week at the time of recording, two bonus episodes were dropped as well, which I haven't got up to yet. I've nearly finished. I'm about three quarters of the way through the series. Um, So that is out there and I'm loving it so far. Really, really good. And I'm also loving it from the position of having read the comics before. I think this is great adaptations. I love where they don't just follow the story of the comics and i'm on the record saying that for those who know my my love of the mcu i like that they take the best elements of all the source material and adapt it but tell its own story and carve something else out so i'm enjoying the themes of the sandman so far don't like the bits with snakes so i'm not a fan of snakes at all so i do have to shut my eyes and look away for that stuff and even have to mute the telly because i don't like the sound of it but anyway outside of that loving everything and all the indications seem to be at the moment that we are going to get a second series now neil game has been brilliant on twitter for those that follow him uh, at neil himself very active very engaging with the fans and he's also quite honest in terms of what he says and one of the things he said right the way through is 
hasn't been anything announced for second series yet because Netflix, particularly because of the expense of this series, it's very expensive to make. And you can see that because it all looks like the money's up on the screen as well in terms of the quality of the visuals. So they've been thinking about, you know, gauging fan reaction. It's number one all across the world virtually for Netflix. 80 odd countries at the moment, continually trending, very positive feedback. Yes, there's some grumbles about certain things because there always are because fan entitlement. But that aside... Very well received so far from what I'm seeing. Very much seems to indicate that we're going to get a second series. And I think that's quite fascinating because the Sandman comics are some of the, the, the best I've ever read. And I used to read them live as they came out. And I was very fortunate to have met Dave McKean, who was a cover artist for these things. I've got an autograph from him and a picture of Mr. X done many years ago and a signed copy of Arkham Asylum graphic novel. So there's a lot of stuff that I really love about it from back in that nerdy nostalgia day. See what I've done there? So I'm quite excited by what the Sandman could bring for second series. So, that, so that's quite exciting and that seems quite positive. If you're enjoying the Sandman, let us know, get involved. You know where you can get hold of this. Go on our Instagram, drop us some comments. And if they're great, which I'm sure they would be, we'll read them out on a future episode and we'll have a bit of a chat about them as well. So that's Sandman. I just want to touch quickly on She-Hulk over on Disney Plus back in the MCU. Now, no spoilers. Episode two just came out yesterday from the time I'm recording this, which is a Friday. So I'm um, not going to drop any spoilers in about it. I'm enjoying it so far. I am liking where they're going with it. I am liking the comedy element. I am liking the way that they're interlacing it with some other elements of the MCU, which you'll see for yourself if you've seen it. A couple of cheeky little Easter eggs in there as well, which you should look out for. Um, the one thing I will say is a minor gripe, and it is a minor gripe, but the CG on She-Hulk in episode two, I think is a bit ropey. Um, there's a couple of scenes where she's just walking through offices with this, you know, the lawyer firm and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, not spoiling anything because some of this has been in the trailers already that I just don't think look great. Now, I found that a bit surprising because I thought the first episode CG was excellent, really good and much better than what we saw in the trailers, which of course I knew it would be because they get those trailers out early and they're still working on these things all the way up to the point of release almost. So I was expecting an improvement and we did get it. I thought it was fantastic on episode one. I thought she looked great. Um, really, really, uh, you could see the detail in Tatiana Maslany's face as she was acting it out. But it is a little bit ropey in episode two. So I hope that's not the way it's going to go going forward. There is a lot more She-Hulk in it than I actually thought because of a TV series and because of the budget. I know it is big budgets, but when you spread out that $150 million over you know six episodes, it actually does bring it down per episode. But So there is a lot more She-Hulk than I thought, which is great, but I just hope they just pick that up a little bit. So maybe it's a one-off, maybe it's just some of these bits, or maybe I'm just being overly nitpicky about it. So... That's my thoughts on She-Hulk. Again, what do you think? Let us know. Stick it in the comments. Are you loving it so far? Um, there again, some little teases, some little Easter eggs in there would be great. If you pick those up, let us know what you what you think of those. And you may have seen some of those on social media already. So try not to spoil yourself. Try and see it within the episode. Now, my final little musing. While I've got this downtime in the TARDIS, while my companions and colleagues and Time Lords are away. I'm sat there thinking, blind I'm in a TARDIS. That makes me think about Doctor Who. We've got a new Doctor Who episode coming at some point this year. Uh, in fact, it's coming in about eight weeks' time. It's coming, you know, we think October, November time. It's to celebrate the centenary of the BBC. 
which for those of you not in the England is the British Broadcasting Corporation, don't you know? So it's the centenary episode. It's it's the lead up to the end of Jodie Whittaker as a thirteenth Doctor, obviously leading into uh, Shooting Gower coming in as a new Doctor. But the reason I raise it is because no one else is at the moment. It's it's really quiet. There's there's no news out there. There's no little rumblings or little snippets of this person cast and this person's cast. Now, I'm a big, big, big Doctor Who fan. In fact, we started this podcast, initially the Tardis podcast, Colin and I, on the basis of, of loving Doctor Who. And it was, if you think about that, mid, mid well, 2005 through to about 2013, it was the pop culture phenomenon it was sold worldwide you had christopher eccleston you had david tennant then you had matt smith you had russell t davis and stephen moffat both writers and showrunners at the very top of their game within the industry at that period you were attracting all the major celebrities and actors from you know all over the globe to appear on this show it was huge news it was sold sold everywhere it's gone a bit quiet over the years which i do understand because longevity can be different to to maintain but for those who have listened to our podcast in the past, you will know that we feel, Colin and I, and, and the, the the quality has dipped over the last few years. And that's actually nothing against Jodie Whittaker because she's done a fantastic job as the 13th Doctor. But the quality has dropped down a bit. And I think it's taken the focus off it. Now, that might work in Russell T. Davis's favour because he's coming back as showrunner when we get rid of, fortunately, Chris Chibnall leaving. Hurrah! But with Russell T. Davis coming in, that might actually work in his favour. Look, one, is I think he's coming in almost the bottom of the barrel, so he can't do any worse with it. Two, he has history and he has form in terms of making this programme an excellent watch and a real joy and a pleasure. And he gets Doctor Who. He really gets Doctor Who. So this may work in his favour that where expectation is low, they can get on with things. They can keep surprises. And, you know, I remember years and years ago, any bit of media outlook was always leaking the news. So, you know, any actor who appeared anywhere in Cardiff was always going to be not terrible, apparently. And all the news outlets and social media was everywhere. People just hunting out all these stories. That's very much gone away now where, you know, other programs have, you know, taken the limelight and been better and more high profile. So that might work in Doctor Who's favour, particularly in Russell D. Davis's favour, and also particularly in Shooty and Gower's favour as well, because that will allow him to find his feet, find his voice as a Doctor. And I do really hope that Jodie gets uh, a good fanfare, well-deserved fanfare, something really good for, for her as a send-off, because she has been great, and she does deserve good stories. And it, it really takes me back to that era of, Colin Baker. Now, I'm in the minority of Doctor Who fans. I liked Colin Baker. I thought he, he intended to come in with a real edge to the Doctor, take him back to that mysterious, you know, the, the Who in Doctor Who again and make him that alien and, you know, give some mystique back to the character. And he was absolutely let down by the stories and the production teams around him, the creative forces at the BBC at that time. They wanted bright and neon and funky and light-hearted and he wanted to do the sort of thing which actually you got from the Christopher Eccleston doctor the ninth doctor the more you know sort of darker more brooding more pensive doctor with an edge to him again and he wanted to do that and he was let down by that he was let down by poor stories he was let down by poor production values because I think the BBC could see the writing was on the wall or the BBC could see the writing was on the wobbly cardboard wall of the set in terms of how much future that had and it was only three years after they uh, sacked Conor Baker and replaced 
listening with Sylvester McCoy, that the program ended and went off for 16 years uh, off air anyway. So I do get some 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 Colin Baker vibes about Jodie in terms of the way she has, I think, been really let down by these stories. And that's unfortunate. But I am very hopeful that we're going to see and hopefully there's a collaboration. I know Russell D. Davis is all very much, you know, let them get on and tell the story. This is Chris Chibnall's story to tell at the end. But I would hope there's been some collaboration. I'm sure there has been some note taking and some work with, with RTD as he comes in to take over because, you know, he, he is Doctor Who for me from the, for, for the modern era. So those are my little musings about, about Doctor Who. Is this quiet period going to be to its advantage? Is that they can get on, they can work on it, they can polish off this story, they can get it just right, they can leave the Doctor in a great place, they can hopefully get rid of this god-awful, timeless child nonsense that we've had, um, or put it in a place where it can be undone and, you know, back to what we all expected that character to be. And yes, I know this sounds like a bit of fan entitlement, but I'm not alone in this. And this is really talking on the basis. And if you haven't seen it, go and watch it if you can bear it. About a fundamental total tonal shift in the Doctor's backstory and history that actually is not anywhere near what this character deserves or should have. And that does sound very fan entitled I do understand that. But um, if you've watched it, I think you'll understand it. And if you don't, and you have watched it, and you don't agree with me, let me know. Come back. Give me some comments. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm happy to be proven wrong. Um, I I have been wrong before. Once. It was a long time ago in a parallel world. I've never been wrong since. But I am more than happy to have some conversation. Come, Come on the show. If you've got some thoughts on it, come on the show. Let's talk about it. I'd love to get some other opinions about how wrong... I am on this, but I don't think I am. But I am getting that creeping sense of optimism. RTD's coming back. It will be all right. And the main thing I say that I say it will be all right is actually it will be better. And that's normally the position I come from with anything. Now, and I've talked about it on this podcast before. You would have heard it. I like to temper my expectations these days and set them to be reasonable. Don't overthink the things you're going to get. I didn't go into Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness expecting the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, who's the new Wolverine? Oh, the Fantastic Four's a little bit, you know, circle around that a bit. The, you know, who's the new Wolverine? Here's Miles Morales as Spider-Man. I knew I was going to get all that, despite all the outlandish theories you expected. I equally am am expecting... The Avengers Secret Wars movie that's obviously been announced for uh, 2026. I am expecting that to have that reset and then you'll get those characters in after that. Otherwise, what's the point of having something called the multiverse saga? But equally, I'm setting my expectations already three to four years ahead of time, setting my expectations down for that because they're not my stories to tell. Having just had a rant about what I think Doctor Who should be. So anyway, by the by, they're not my stories to tell. Um, but but I do think we are reaching that point. But my expectations are set that if anything we get will be great. We get to see these characters, it'll be great. But we do know now that Marvel have full use 
of all the X-Men and Fantastic Four universes and all those characters. And they have multiple platforms now to tell these stories. They have Disney Plus for more long-form storytelling and serialized nature. And they have, obviously, the big-budget movies. And, you know, cinema's made a reasonable recovery coming out of COVID now. You know, big blockbusters hitting the movies now. You know, Spider-Man No Way Home, Multiverse of Madness, you know, Top Gun Maverick, big movies doing big numbers out there now. So cinema is, is hopefully back to, to stay now. I'm expecting, you know, big numbers numbers for Black Panther Wakanda forever in November this year coming up so um they've got these multiple platforms to tell these stories there's a whole host of X characters and ways to introduce that I think Secret Wars will be the catalyst for that but I've set my expectations quite well on that. I think quite well on that not going to get carried away but goodness me how on earth have I seamlessly segued from talking about the Sandman into She-Hulk into Doctor Who and back to Marvel look at that it's almost like I knew what I was doing while I was sat here today on my own in the TARDIS but I can hear a cloister bell going off in the background now hopefully that means the TARDIS is going to activate autopilot there's going to be a cool hologram in front of me of that sexy cardboard column in a minute telling me that everything's been okay I'm on my way he's going to rescue me he's going to come back from the Vegas and he's going to have survived the uh, the horrendous shrieking noises of the Celine Dion and hopefully Chris is going to zoom in with the parts from the TARDIS still got a bit of money in his pocket to top up this barrel of custard creams that I've now dived into and almost finished fingers crossed we're there and he's going to pick us up and do you know what if he was here he'd probably say that I'd been fantastic and you'd been fantastic and then he'd say Geronimo and punch it chewy but before I do all that don't forget Please share, subscribe to this podcast, nerdynostalgia.co.uk. You can find all our stuff there. Find Colin's Awesome Art. You can find the link to this show. There's loads of cool stuff over there. So do go and find that. Hopefully, I've got enough time to quickly, while I'm waiting for the TARDIS to pick everyone up, I can do a little bit of my own YouTube show, which is Mighty Marvel Show. You can go and find that. And that'll be us done. So, oh, I can see a Wookiee. What's that? You want me to punch it, Chewy? I'm all over it. Bye-bye, everybody. Into the TARDIS! We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you would like to get in contact with us, then email colin at nerdynostalgia.co.uk. You can also visit our website, nerdynostalgia.co.uk, where you can find my art store, podcasts, and lots of other nerdy stuff.